Well, wrap us in a tortilla and dip us in salsa. You're listening to the Action Figure Blues Podcast, episode number 49, for the week of Wednesday, the 29th of January, 2013. I'm John, and with me tonight are... Scott! And Adam! This episode is brought to you by the Pop Culture Superstore and ActionFigureBlues.com. Tonight, after our regular features, we'll be talking all things designer vinyl toys with John Stokes of SpankyStokes.com. Good evening, gentlemen. How is everybody? I'm good. I'm fabulous. I'm wrapped in a tortilla, apparently. Well, you know, I had Mexican for dinner last night, so. I was going to say, how long did it take you to come up with that one? I had Mexican for dinner last night. <laughs> <laughs> so, Adam, what have you been up to this week? Um, I'm trying to think. We had a cat, one of our cats had um, teeth removed. Oh, ouch. Um, which was, yeah, probably not the most comfortable thing for her ever, but it's kind of vaguely amusing when she's drugged up and stumbling around the house a bit afterwards. Um, <laughs> I can do that without having teeth removed. Oh, there you go. Oh. Um, other than that, I have been crafting foam with my uh, styrofoam cutter that I got when I was over in si- not Sydney, Melbourne the other weekend with Scott and Co. At the shop that I recommended, apparently. At the shop that you recommended, yes. I know, which I've never been in. I was like, try that one. It looks like a kind of place that would have wire foam cutters. <laughs> yeah, they didn't have them on display. We had to ask them, and then the girl behind the counter had to ask someone else in the store, and they eventually found one. How funny. Mm. <laughs> Adam's making very interesting creations that look like Hoth to me, but apparently they're not. No. Oh. Now, you're, you're going to paint those after? or? Yeah, I'll work out. I'll glue them together and paint them. I'll probably get another couple of big sheets of it and cut it up so I'll make it taller, but that should be easy cool, enough. Mm, thanks. Very cool. <laughs> so, so, Mr. Scott, I'm sure that you're waiting for me to ask, how, what have you been doing this week? Oh, well, first of all, I am obliged to tell you that my podcast snap for the night was made to me by my eldest daughter, Miss Twelve, who decided she was going to bake today, and so she made yummy muffins, which I'm not allowed to eat because they're for school lunches. And uh, then she made some lovely ginger snap cookies, you would say, or biscuits. And so if you hear me crunching, I'm crunching on those, and they are awesome. Um, I'm also an extremely excited Legion of Superheroes fan at the moment. Since 1982, I have voted for my favorite Legionnaire, Phantom Girl, in every Legion leader election. And in this last one, she finally was elected Legion leader. I am so excited. I know this means nothing to you. But in the Legion, they've had this tradition for a very long time where that you could write in and vote for who was going to be the leader uh, of the, the Legion. Um, so from the time I started reading the Legion, I would vote for Phantom Girl, and she never got in. Longest-serving legionnaire, never to be the leader, and now she's the leader, and I'm happy. Very good. 
well, finally an election somebody's happy with the results about. (laughs) 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 Let's not get political. Um, Except except in the 31st century, that's fine. So, yeah, very cool. But, um, yeah, otherwise I'll I'll hear we're all heading back to school and work and oddly enough our old dog had teeth removed this week as well. So um, she's still chucking on. She We keep thinking, uh, I wonder how much longer she'll be around, and then she has another you know, kind of burst of energy and keeps going, so we'll see how she goes. Hmm. Well, that's good. And what about you, John? What have you been up to? Well, kind of funny you guys say that, because um, our youngest puppy, Zoe, she has been uh, losing teeth this week. Oh. We've never um, really found any of our other dog's teeth, but uh, Zoe, just for some reason, I think we found four this week. Wow. She'll be playing with them, and I'll look over there, and I'll just kind of grab them before she swallows them. So. <laughs> that is funny, because often it's, it's very unusual that you do kind of find their their baby teeth. Well, and hers are just real, real small. They're yeah. tiny and very unusual and sharp. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, the other fun thing I have to mention, just like, first of all, is that it's Australia Day. We're recording this on, so happy Australia Day to Australians out there. Um, and also, I live in Melbourne, and we have got the Australian Open Grand Slam tennis happening here at the moment. So that's always fun to be a part of. We're big tennis fans, and we always try to go. So we've been and watched some matches on Central Court, and all good fun. Well, look at you. Yeah. Can't play it to save my life, but I like watching it. Yeah, I can't play tennis. I, I'm sports deficient, unless it's Frisbee. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you also have an uh, announcement for us. I do. So take um, it away. Thank you very much. If you have seen our site or our uh, Facebook page, Twitter feed in the last uh, week or so, you will have seen that we have joined the Big Top Network. The Big Top Network is a uh, Australian-based uh, independent podcasting network. They are just getting started. Um, they have a number of shows already under the Big Top. Um, it, it doesn't make a change to the listening experience we are uh the owners of the 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 show and the podcast it's really about linking up um podcasters on similar topics so that we can support each other promote each other's uh content and shows and maybe do some um exchanges of talent etc from time to time so you can check them out on the big top network at the moment they are based on facebook they are working on a website um but do have a look but we are really uh privileged to be invited and excited to be a part of it Hooray! Yay! Yay. Yep. So the the guys that are have started this are based here in Melbourne. So I've actually been able to meet with them, and they are um, three guys who are on a podcast called the Watcher Podcast. W H A T C H A podcast, as in what you're reading, what you're listening to, etc. And uh, they're great guys. That's a really fun show if you'd like to check it out. Um, but I've had the the chance to actually sit down and have a drink with them and chalk through their ideas and um, plans, and it sounds like something that could be fun to be a part of, so we're going to give it a go. Yay. Yay. Well, that's really cool. Yeah, very cool. Well, with that, we'll move on to um, some different news. We will go to our articulated news next. Duke's in trouble! Scramble the Storm Eagle! A young Storm Eagle has a hidden water cannon that shoots up to 20 feet, but the Cobra Liquidator's making a splash, and the Parasite's launching catapult missiles! Mobilize the Patriot! It's the G.I. Joe Patriot with a huge mortar cannon that really fires! Fire! 
Jojo Patriot, Storm Eagle, Cobra, Parasite, and Liquidator sold separately. I found the Barracuda! But Duke's gone. So glad you could join us. <laughs> Well, before we get to our main features, we want to start each episode with a little bits of news. Articulated news is where we discuss the latest events, announcements, and just other things that have popped up that might be new to you in the toys and collectible world. We're not going to name everything, just kind of the stuff that caught our eye this week. And Scott, you have our first bit of news. I do. First of all, we've got some news from Character Building, who are probably best known to us as the people that uh, do a lot of the Doctor Who licensed uh, products. And um, they have announced some smaller uh, Doctor Who, what are they, minifigures or, oh, sorry, micro figures, my apologies, um, that will be coming out. Quite a, a, a set of them. Um, they have told us also that they are going to do a a refreshed 11 Doctors box set for 2013, so we'll see what that actually entails. It says TBC, um, but also blind bags of these smaller figures um, featuring a wide range of characters, all 11 Doctors plus supporting characters, and if you have a look at the um, promo shots, you can see... Oh, maybe... Yeah, you can see... Um, uh, Amy and River Song, etc. Um, there are some multi packs that look like they are storyline specific. So, for example, the ponds in New York with Amy, uh, River, a Weeping Angel, Doctor, and I think very appropriately R- Rory in pieces. Um, you know, the the Kenny of the Doctor Who world dies in every episode, um, so he might as well be, you know, in three pieces in the in the pack. <laughs> well. um, and uh, some really interesting play sets as well for these micro figures that are very Lego-esque. That TARDIS is cool. Yeah. TARDIS, um, there is a, a Dalek skimmer set, a Cyberman speeder mini set, a TARDIS set. The only one that I'm not grabbed by is the Cyberman big build set. Mm-hmm. It looks, um, I'd, I'd have to say lame. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, character building. Everything else looks cool, but the Cyberman just is not really grabbing me. <laughs> it's just a Cyberman head. It's a big Cyberman head made out of Lego looking bits. Well, it's not yeah. even like a head. It's just flat, isn't it? Yeah, it's just flat. Like it's not. It has more than it's over twenty three centimeters tall and has more than two hundred and fifty parts. Oh well, I know that's something. <laughs> I, I don't imagine. I can't imagine that being a big seller. Um, but good fun uh, stuff there. I could definitely get into those little micro figures. Um, there's another one as well that has got. I, I can't see the name of the set because it's behind the Ponds in New York set, but it has um, a Cyberman. Uh, Silurian, and then oh, what's the name? Of, I love those guys that um have got the big brown heads and. Sorry. Are they the Centaurans? Yeah, 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 I think so. Yeah, great, great fun. The guy in the Christmas special that said, "Sir, please don't noogie me when we're on a mission." That one. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's basically what I look like with a goatee. <laughs> About my height too. <laughs> Okay, well, we won't noogie you during an episode then. Um, I appreciate that. Yeah. But then uh, slightly more interesting – I mean, these are great fun, but that's what we expect from character building because they do the Doctor Who stuff. But then more uh, 
to me, quite unusual um, thing is the Scooby-Doo set. Um, I don't know if they've done Scooby-Doo merchandise before. John, you would know this being the TV and film toys guy. I'm not really too sure. Yeah. Um, but we have Scooby-Doo micro figure sets coming as well. There are character, there are figure packs. Um, one is a shaggy Scooby, uh, oh my goodness. We have a Yeti, a Wolfman and a, a crab man. Um, and then we have another set that is Fred, Scooby, Frankenstein, uh, looks like Dracula and Scary Clown Man, and then blind bags of Scooby-Doo microfigures with the whole Mystery Machine gang and the the scary beast people. So there you go, Doctor Who and Scooby-Doo. I have to say, not two licenses that I usually think of together. Uh, but if you want to combine your Doctor Who and Scooby-Doo universes. Your time has come. That would be Scooby Who. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> How could I have missed that? That was so bad. <laughs> and then something completely different. Um, not news, but up for pre-order this week was the Sideshow um, Joker six-scale figure, the first in the DC six-scale line that Sideshow's putting out. Um, and... The exclusive, I think, is interesting because the exclusive is not the the second head or something like you might expect from Sideshow. It is a a pair of Joker fish accessories. So, <laughs> I didn't. I, honestly, I didn't think that was going to be a big surprise for anyone. I was kind of going, well, if it's not a head or whatever, it's going to be the fish guns. Yeah. So, the. If your Joker 6 scale is not complete without fish guns, then you will need to buy it from Sideshow. Um, but if you can live without the six guns, sorry, if you can live without the fish guns, then feel free to order it from somewhere else. I'm not real impressed with those. The fish guns? Yeah. They look like they're weird the way they're bent over. They're fish guns. Of course they're weird. Well, yeah, they're not squid guns. <laughs> I actually really like the other head. The, the head is it the just me, or does he have some flesh tone in him that's kind of peeking through? Like his ears and his chin. Oh, yeah. Yeah, huh. his chin. I really like the, the second head with the hat. Um, And it certainly comes with a, a mess of accessories. You've got the... Um, gun with the bang coming out of it. You've got the buzzer, you know, hand thing, uh, switchblade, playing cards, dynamite, a cigarette lighter, um, you know, like it's quite a, a the, the, you know, the cane, all the things that you would kind of expect. Um, so quite a, and, and a trench coat and then regular coat version. So they've really gone all out. It's retailing for under 200 US. Um, and of course the stand and extra pairs of hands, etc. So, um, quite, quite a bit. I haven't pulled the trigger on this, but, um, the, yeah, I like it. What do you guys think? Yeah, except for the flesh tone on the face. That's the only thing I just, I'm not a real big fan of. 
I mean, I always expect him to be kind of that pure white, you know. Hmm. I think it's interesting that they've gone with Joker as the first release for both the the DC Premium format and the six scale line. Yeah, it is. Like, I, I think that's a bit odd, really, because it's definitely wasn't the first premium format I was expecting. And then to have him come first in six scale as well, I'm not sure what that's about, really. Setting up for buying Batman? Yeah, probably. It, his base is kind of weird with that ha-ha-ha-ha-ha. I mean, I know that's pretty typical, but... I had not noticed that. Hmm... Yeah, I don't know if I like that. I don't know. Maybe it's something a bit different. Yeah. You know you want it. Oh, yeah, I'll probably end up ordering it. But I'm just, <laughs> yeah. I'm pretending to have self-control by waiting. Um, I'm actually just trying to decide if I can live without the um, the fish or not. I'm kind of feeling like I probably can. But we'll see. But that's my news. All right. Well, Adam, I know you got news. I do, I do. Um, so the first thing that I have is um, SH Figure Arts uh, Freezer Final Form got uh, announced this week for release, um, which is very pleasing for me. Um, I think this got revealed at might have been SDCC. I think it was sometime last year was the first time they started showing the um, the finished prototype figure around at cons. Um it's a very good-looking likeness of him, um, which is kind of funny because when you look at him, he's you know a pretty simple kind of colour palette and whatever else to do, but it just looks really, really good. Um, he comes with all the bits and pieces you'd expect from a figure arts figure, so he's got, I think, two heads, two sets of hands, uh, swap-out hands, um, two sets of swap-out feet. Um, because he's got his tail um, and it's um, freezer around the... the final battle from um, the Freezer Saga. He's got a swap-out tail, so you've got the partial cut-off tail and the full tail. Um, he comes with a death ball effect, uh, continuing the ongoing let's put effects in these figures finally. Um, and he also comes with a display stand, which is like a little rocky outcrop as well. So that's pretty cool. Is that different from the others? Because this is a um, this is a Dragon Ball Z character, right? It is indeed. Okay. Um, yeah. So none of the other characters thus far have come with a piece of scenery, I think. Um, and I think from Super Saiyan three Goku onwards, we started getting the key effects. So we got one for Goku. We definitely got one for Cell. We've now got one for Freezer. We get one with. Um, so, uh, Saiyan Saga Vegeta, when that comes out in March. So, so, so as far def- as Dragon Ball Z characters go, how deep is this? I mean, like, I've never seen or heard of this character before. Um, so how deep is this in Dragon Ball? Um, so this is essentially, if you start at Dragon Ball Z rather than Dragon Ball, because Dragon Ball is the first 16 volumes of manga, um, he, it's the second saga or main saga of Dragon Ball is um, on planet Namek and it's basically all around trying to get the Namek Dragon Ball so they can bring everyone back to life after the Saiyan saga. Spoiler, um, spoilers. Okay. Yeah. yeah, massive spoilers. Oh. Um, 
And Freezer is basically the main villain of that piece. And I think that goes for uh, five or six volumes worth of manga, maybe. Ooh, I can't okay. remember off the top of my head. Um, but it's a fair slab of the show. Okay. So a major, major character. Yep. Okay. Cool. So that's kind of cool. And um, you can now uh, pre-order him with Big Bad Toy Story if that's who you like to go through. And he's meant to arrive in July. Very nice. Yep. Uh, other things that I've seen is, um, I think this is old news from last year sometime, but um, I've only just stumbled onto it. There's a, Figure Arts are also doing a Iron Man 3 line, although it really looks more like the Iron Man 2 suits for um, Iron Man and War Machine. Um, while the entire page that I've seen for this is in Japanese and it's, you know... <laughs> Images, so Google Translate will not help me. Um, it looks like you get a really good selection of bits and pieces with him. You get, um, you know, little jet repulsory effects for their hands and feet. Um, you've got bits and pieces of flaps and Illyrian-type stuff that um, folds out from the suit. Uh, obviously, you've got interchangeable hands. Um, the chest art reactor piece and um, the eye slots... Uh, seem like they have a light-up built into them. And War Machine's obviously got, you know, a bit more as far as armament and Gatling gun type effects and whatever else. Is it being tagged as Iron Man 3, or is that... I'm not really sure. No, because um, it's, like you said, it doesn't... It looks more like 2, for sure. It does. Uh, hang on. No, that's Iron Man 2, yes. Okay. Reading my basic levels of Japanese. And um, also, from what I can see, it looks like they're due out in May this year. Cool. The the War Machine's cool. Yeah. I think they're both pretty cool, and, you know, consider getting them when they um, go up pre-ordering. I I just, I I was looking at the little, uh, the pop-out things from his shoulders, and those, the ones he comes with are cool, because he's got the little missile thing that he uses at the end that kind of just fizzles on him. Yeah. I think it was awesome. So I think that's another good little announcement there. <laughs> I, just, we... I just tried to Google Translate on the page that we are looking at, and it says the page has been translated from Japanese to English, and it's still all in Japanese. Yeah, so. it's all images. I tried uh, running okay. earlier. Or it's images or flash, or I don't know, but yeah. Google Translate helps not at all. Wow. Yeah. What do you think What do you think the price point on those is going to be, Adam? Um... I mean, your standard figure arts thing goes for about in the range of forty to sixty bucks, um, nominally around the fifty dollars. US, you're talking about, or yeah, okay. US. Yep. So, I would assume that these are going to go for about fifty, but with the lighting effects, I don't know if that's going to drive the price up much. So, I'd say no more than sixty though per figure. This is a a nice kind of midpoint between your Marvel Legends, Iron Man, and the Hot Toys. Because yeah, you're, you're getting a fair bit of articulation. Um, you're getting the light-up features. It's a smaller scale, but also you know, a, a much smaller price tag. Yeah. Uh, I'm just looking at 100 and... Yeah, so they're a bit over 6-inch figures. I mean, because I don't... Under, sorry. Anyway, I don't collect, you know, six inch figures. So for me, it's going to be an odd scale no matter what. But that 
that war machine's pretty cool looking. Some of these are uh, really growing on me. Some of these movie figures, are, and also the the game figures. I saw the Arkham City Batman and Catwoman figure arts um, figures in person yesterday, and uh, you know, I really liked them. Were they figure arts or play arts? I didn't. Oh, sorry, they were play arts. Yeah, but yeah, same same idea. Yeah, um, but yeah, they're definitely um. Differently, stuff I could get into if I didn't want to be broke. <laughs> yeah, and somebody keeps talking about them on the podcast, and I know yeah. it's annoying. Yeah. Annoying. Yeah. <laughs> well, what else you got for us, Adam? Uh, the last thing that I picked up on was the um, Iron Man three um, six inch scale figures uh, wave one getting announced, and that includes Iron Patriot. Um, it includes. The current um, Heroic Age, well, it's not going to be the current for much longer, um, Iron Man armor suit and um, the classic wing-tipped mask Iron Man um, suit. And um, they will be coming with parts for the comic book style Ironmonger as a builder figure. Oh, damn, I have to buy them now. Yeah. So I bet he's, he looks like he's going to be huge. He's he does. Huge. He's going to be huge. So, but it's going to be obviously uh, spread out over a couple of series as pieces because these three only give us torso and legs. Yep. So there must be another set coming with um, head and arms. Head. Yeah, mm. head and arms. Oh well, I, I, I a builder figure, I think, is a very nice. Um, you know, way to throw throw us comic fans a bone with these movie figures. Yeah, you have to give them props for that. Yeah, I'm just kind of. I understand why you'd go with Iron Manga as far as um, people that maybe haven't read the comic, but he wasn't around for that long. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> That's still fun, though. Like, I mean, I'm still excited about that. Yeah. He, he's one of my favorite of the three and three-quarter figures they did, the, the Ironmonger. Yeah. He was really neat. good. So, we'll see. And our last little bit of news here, um, Biff Bang Pow, our uh, favorite people, or some of our favorite people, are making Star Trek bobbleheads. Yay! Because you can't have enough bobbleheads in Star Trek. Mm. You really can't. No. It looks like they are doing both a standard scale bobblehead, which I'm not sure what scale that is, but you <laughs> guys know what I'm talking about. Uh, and um, a miniature sized, uh, the monitor mates is what they call them, but yeah. you know, those little ones that you can pop up on top of your monitor at work. And, yeah. you know, everybody knows you're a Star Trek fan then. The first <laughs> one's going to be a Toy Fair exclusive board cube monitor mate. So um, all you Borg fans can run out there and, and grab that whenever Comic-Con rolls around, or Toy Fair rolls around, which will be coming up here pretty soon. So I'm, that'll be fun. I'm not quite sure how a Borg cube can be a bubble head because um, it doesn't have a head. Unless it's on a base. You know, I know for, for Star Wars, they did some of those little things with suction cups and then they would, the ships would dangle off. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I have I, to confess something. I find bobbleheads really disturbing. 
I think they're creepy. Well, I know what you're getting for Christmas this year. Get in one of the solar-powered toilet ones. That'll really always <laughs> mine. Uh, we've had this discussion before, yes. <laughs> Does it? Doesn't Entertainment Earth, like, make – like, they'll make a, a figure of you as a bobblehead? Oh, will they? Oh, God. I think so. So we could we could all get together. Yay. We'll get a We'll get a picture of Ben, and we'll have a Ben bobblehead made for Scott for Christmas. Oh! With no pants on? Ah, I help. think I think the play, if I'm right, they have one sitting on the toilet. Oh, so, my gosh. I, reading a paper. I think we'll have to look into this. I own one bubble, bubble head, and that is the Funko Aquaman bubble head, which um, I will never remove from the package so that he can't bubble. Um, he's a, he's a unbubbling bubble head. You're denying his sole function in life. I just don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. I like Biff Bang Pow. I like Star Trek. I don't like bobbleheads. I only own one bobblehead, too. So, Is it Gambit? It is not Gambit. It is actually Gordy Howe. You probably don't even know who Gordy Howe I is. I certainly do not, no. He no. is a, a hockey player of great fame. And the one I have is actually signed by him. So. Well, as in ice hockey... Yes. Okay. Cool. Got to remember, I live. I grew up in Michigan. So. Yeah, yeah. I just like hockey. After after all these years in Australia, hockey to me means field hockey. So I had to kind of go hockey. Oh, ice hockey. Right. Gotcha. Hey, have you ever seen my Twitter avatar? You know, with the Red Wings jersey. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know what that is. Well, now you do. A red. What's a Red Wing? That's Detroit's team. What's Detroit? No, sorry. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, now that this is out of control, we'll, we'll wrap it up. Wait we'll a minute. Right your back. Twitter avatar is you and your dog. Yes, and we're both wearing Red Wings jerseys. Oh, how the hell am I supposed to know that at, at, at you know, two, two point by two pixels? <laughs> it's, it's the same one I use on Facebook, and it's bigger there. Um. I don't want to, like, crush your self-esteem or anything, but I haven't spent heaps of time laboring over your picture on Facebook. Well, I go in and blow up all your pictures on uh, on Facebook, and now I know where all your stuff is. Uh, <laughs> okay. okay, I'm looking at it now. I, it's a red jersey. It's got a big wheel with a wing. I would never have known what that is. That's just, that's ridiculous. I would never have known what that is. I would just thought, oh, it's a red shirt. No, it's not a red shirt. It is. <sighs> I love exasperating you. <laughs> it's so easy, isn't it? <sighs> All right, we better stop talking bobbleheads and and um, red shirts and move on. I think. <laughs> All right, we'll wrap it up there, and we'll be right back with the next installment of Name That. <laughs> Sorry, John. No, oh, it's okay. <laughs> My name is what? My name is what? My name is My name is My name is what? My name is Excuse me. My name is Can I have the attention of the class? My name is For one second. My name is 
Well, now it's time for everybody's favorite podcast game, Name That. Our good friend John, who is also engineer nerd from TVandFilmToys.com, brings us an action figure sound or a commercial, and the aim of the game is to guess where it's from. So, John, over to you. Well, thank you, Scott. Um, last week, we played a sound that sounded a little something like this. Clan leader attacks with whipping dreadlocks, and Stalker, glowing in the dark, fires his spear, suddenly clipping up his attacks. Actually, you know, when I, I played that, I really expected Ben to just jump out and, and tell us exactly what it was, but... Uh, <laughs> But uh, Hyperion beat him to the punch and told us that this was from uh, Kenner's Predators vs. Aliens line. So, uh, you know, good on Hyperion. And and sadly, Ben's left in the dust. Poor Ben. Yeah. And did you did you guys know what that one was? I have to ask. I, I normally let you guys guess first. but um, I have to confess that I did actually work it out when I was editing um, but I felt like I had an unfair advantage, so I wanted to wait until the episode was up to um, to guess, and Hyperion beat me. Yeah. And I'm not bitter. <laughs> I don't know how his account got deleted from the forum. <laughs> I, I will give Hyperion credit, though, because he will listen to the episodes as, almost as soon as they come out. That's true, and, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, he, he is a dedicated listener. He is a dedicated and we listener. Really, we really appreciate him. We do. That is for sure. <laughs> so, so good for you, Hype. Yeah. Um, well, we'll move on to this week's sound, and it will sound a little something like. It thumbs up action. Switch the cycle on, and it takes off. Then its automatic twist out action sends it back. And, well, you know, if you're Ben or Hyperion or anybody else, and you want to make a guess at what kind of sound that is, you just come on over to the forum and leave us a guess. Come over to our Facebook page, leave us a guess there, and uh, forum points for all who can get a guess right. Woohoo! Coming up next is Feeding the Addiction. The Incredible Hulk meets Spider Man. Each figure a foot tall and fully poseable. All you need is a piece of string, and here comes Spider Man. Avalanche! This is a job for the Hulk. Good job, handsome. The Incredible Hulk and Spider-Man from the Superhero Collection, each sold separately by Mego. Well, we're all here because we collect and feeding the addictions where we kind of take time and check in with each other, find out what all we've been getting over the past uh, period of time since we've been on. And each of us take a turn and kind of let us know. So, Adam... What have you been acquiring over the past week or so? Um, apart from uh, something I may have pre-ordered, I don't know if I mentioned it, my, my figure arts freezer. Um, when I was in Melbourne with Scott, uh, I acquired a fair few comics. So I got the last three volumes of Invincible. I got um, the last volume of The Boys. I got um, The Complete Mouse. And I also picked up a copy of the um, hardback uh, Marvel Comics The Untold Story when I was in the airport. Um, and I got a styrofoam hot wire cutter thing and some styrofoam to cut with it. Um, I think that's about it. Cool, man. It's a pretty nice haul. The, the, the foam stuff, that is just neat. I, I can't wait to see how you do some more of that stuff. I just hope I don't stuff it up from where I've got it to now. You know, that that's kind of the problem with that stuff is you kind of keep cutting and you go, oh, that looks good. Well, I'll just take a little more. I'll just take a little more. And then all of a sudden you just got to like, you know. <laughs> yeah, start again. Sounds like the last haircut I had. 
That's not funny. <laughs> oh, sorry. Didn't mean to spark jealousy. <laughs> yeah. Well, Baldy, what what did you get this this week? I thought you meant you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, me. Well, I got my Maddie Collector um, December 2012 box. So that was lead and tin and platinum. It was, I can't even remember which um, Masters of the Universe figure because uh, I haven't opened it yet. But also in there for... I don't know, I guess for being completely incompetent, um, they gave us uh, extra Masters of the Universe, like, classic figure, and you didn't know what it was going to be. And uh, it was really funny, because I just opened mine before we recorded, so I could say what it was. And as I was opening it, I was thinking, you know, unless this is Merman, because I really like Merman, um, I'm gonna, th- I'm just going to think this is really dumb. And I got Merman. Yeah. Nice. Isn't that cool? Thank that you, was- Maddie. That was to make up for putting one of the previous figure's arms on backwards or something. Oh, yeah, it? that's right. Yep. So, I mean, that's actually pretty cool to put an extra, you know, figure in there. Um, and, uh, yeah, and like I said, it was just really funny because I was really, as I was opening it, I was like, oh, blah, blah. It's probably going to be He-Man, you know, like, because <laughs> we've got, and I was thinking, you know, it'd be cool if it was Merman. Otherwise, this is going to be dumb. And I got Merman. So that was cool. Um, I also got the Bowen Avalanche minibus. Now, you might remember this is one that was solicited and actually uh, started to be released and then was recalled because Bowen wasn't happy with the the quality of, I think, the the base. I never got my original one. Um, so there was a question mark there for a moment about whether or not it was actually going to be redone, but they did redo it with a different a slightly different construction of the base. Um, and I got mine and it is very cool. Um, all the metal bits are chromed, so it's nice and shiny and, uh, it goes really well with the rest of my brotherhood of evil mutants busts. And now we really just need a destiny to finish off that particular team. That would be cool. And I also, we reported a couple of weeks ago on Titan, merchandise releasing uh doctor who minifigures their vinyl blind boxed versions and i bought one the other day and i haven't opened it yet because i'm going to open it on air so this is it's the really nice little boxes and they show you all the different things that you could uh get from it there are obviously um as well as kind of regular versions of some of the characters, then there are variant versions that have little question marks on it. So who knows what it could be. But without further ado, I am opening up my box. Can you hear the rustling? Inside there is a foil pack. Oh, boy, this is hard to... Um, you, you couldn't um, guess it without really opening it up because then it's got a foil pack as well. So... Are you laughing at me? No. Okay. We can if you like. Oh, oh, oh. I got a Cyberman. Yay. 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 Oh, I'm going to be um, assimilated. Is that what they do? Actually, I think I got a variant Cyberman. I'll have to do some research here. I think I might have got one of the ones that's got a question mark 
on on the picture. So they're very cool. They're, 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 oh, his head pops off, by the way. Um, they oh, they actually got articulated arms, and huh. their and their heads move as well. Great fun. Thank you, Titan. How about how tall is he? Uh, I would say uh, two inches. No. Taller than a Lego figure. Oh yeah, taller than a Lego figure. Yeah, it's probably, I think okay. it's about two inches. Um, maybe two, two. Oh, sorry, three inches. He's three inches. Oh, that's pretty good size. Yeah, then. there you go. It's good fun. I mean, quite light. Um, but oh, it's very disturbing actually the way the head comes off. Um, but yeah, actually quite fun. Quite fun. They're they're a bit dear for me to try and collect because it would drive me crazy. You know, getting six of the same thing and not the ones I wanted for that price because they were it was about twelve dollars. Um, so, but I thought you know for research purposes because you know I'm in I'm in in the line of um, reporting that we're you know, I felt a responsibility to to have a go at it. Oh sure, yeah. <laughs> and that's my hole. And Hot off the press. If that that's pretty awesome. If that helps you sleep at night, <laughs> good for you. What about you, John? What did you get? I haven't really got anything. I got actually, we had some car issues, so it's been kind of a a slow time. Um, But I got a new phone. And um, I actually got it through Amazon Wireless, not my regular carrier, and it was essentially free. So Cool. Nice. I haven't got got a new phone in about three years, so uh, it was pretty exciting times. It came a long way. I got a LG Mach, which is um, an Android, uh, goes with the network I'm on, and then uh, it's got the slider keyboard because I'm old and I don't like the touchscreen keyboards. Thank you. <laughs> That's obviously something different about the way that um, f- phone networks work in the States because I often hear people say that, like, oh, you know, it goes with the network that I'm on. And... Uh, can they ever be switched between networks? I think some of them can. The ones that I have, I don't think can. Okay. I think there, there's some phones that can, some phones that can't. My network, I don't think, allows that. All right. Okay. I think. I don't know. Yeah. You guys also have to buy a handset as well, normally yourselves, don't you? Yeah, but normally they'll have a like a promotion. I mean, if, if you you wouldn't ever have to pay for one. Okay. Um, but if I hadn't went through Amazon, this one was uh, $50 if I got it through my actual carrier. So mm-hmm. um, to get it for free from Amazon was a pretty good deal. Very yeah. good. So, I mean, you know, no toys, but a phone kind of counts as a new toy, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's pretty exciting. Yeah. So I'm happy. More exciting than carpet or something. Yeah. Unless it was really cool carpet. No. No? Okay. Well, if nobody has anything <laughs> else, we will we will move on to our next segment, which is Red Carded, everybody's favorite time of the episode. What is this bizarro world? Red Carded is a chance for us to poke fun and Make social commentary on the WTF moments in our hobby, be they unusual announcements, complete fail action figures, or just things that aren't up to par. 
And handing out this week's penalty is Scott. So over to you. Take it away. Thank you, John. Now, we've shied away from giving too many more red cards to Mattel and Digital River, um, not out of any form of sensitivity or concern for them, but simply because, as we said before, there's not much sport in it. Um, but uh, this red card does go to Digital River, and it's in relation to uh, the shipping that I have received for my subscriptions for 2012. I had a fairly big shipment most months because I had my Masters of the Universe, Voltron, and then uh, my four Cobb Infinite Earths that resulted from me trying to order two um, that was then too hard to cancel without getting everything cancelled. So most months I get a a fairly big box. And I wait about a month for it because it takes about a month to come. And without fail, each of these big boxes has arrived falling apart (laughs) by the time it actually makes it to Australia. There is one strip of tape used to secure the lid, which invariably has been broken open by the time it actually reaches me. And most months, it looks like it's been sat on by an elephant. To the point where my hilarious post office people at the Brighton North Post Office, um, who I've mentioned before, I'm sure I could make a sitcom out of them, um, my my Indian friend Pam, um, who loves getting me my mail, said to me, I think you should have a talk to these people. <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> they don't seem to be doing a very good job. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just appalling when you're sending things that are collector's items, um, you're putting them in a white mailer box, and we all know that when it comes to resale, you know, that, I mean, I don't care about the white mailer box, but you hold on to them because some people care about them, and they care not just that it's there, but the quality of it as well. And, you know, the number of things I've had this year that have not just not just the big brown box has been smashed, but the the white mailer box has been smashed as well, um, has been utterly appalling. So, uh, Digital River. Well, so, how do you really feel, <laughs> Adam? With with the box, like I don't know, some of the stuff that sometimes you get from Amazon depends on which country it goes through. And then the box arrives and it comes in the big Hessian sack. Do you get that? No. Okay. No. Um, I have had that once from when I got my Legion 12-pack. Yep. That actually had the Hessian sack around it still. Um, but, you know, I find that the Digital River stuff goes can come from weird and wonderful places, so it's not always through the same place. But I don't know. It's almost like um, Gertie's got a cousin working somewhere in Germany or something that does box packing. It's just, it's bad. Yeah, would you, it, I think if you're going to, well, it's obviously, it's going on the slow boat. It's getting a fair bit of knocking around. So just, a, you know, a few extra little strips of tape wouldn't go astray. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've seen what happens on those slow boats. You know, I saw, um, you know, The Last Crusade. <laughs> I'd be worried. Yeah, it's brutal, man. Brutal. So anyway, that's my rant for the week. And uh, red carded. Um, you know, it just wouldn't be the same without the occasional Mattel Digital River rant. So here you go. That's it for today. Well, I think that one's very well, well deserved because, you know, 
if you're you, you got to look where you're shipping it to so yeah <laughs> i mean you know it is i guess their response would be well look you know we've made this cheap for you and certainly compared to anything else that i buy from the states the shipping is incredibly reasonable but i would rather get it sooner and not have it crushed and pay more than have to wait at least a month and then have it be smashed yeah. Now, are you sure that it's just not somebody at the post office that doesn't like you? <laughs> no. Well, it's it's it, I I get enough uh, parcels there to uh, you know kind of isolate it to a particular sender. Yeah. So oh, okay. Yeah, they, they they love me there because I'm charming and you know. Um, and you bribe yeah, them. Pardon? And you bribe them. I bribe them. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. They're actually they're good fun. Um, they're very nice people, and they look after me well. So, um, yeah. Well, coming up after that really well-deserved fail is our uh, discussion topic of the week. Spike. And now, Spike Orr, let's see how He-Man likes your. Oh, Spike. Skeletor, Spike Orr, and He-Man figures each sold separately. Spike. No one can stop the spike-studded armor of the mighty Spike-Or. Not even me, you muscle-bound porcupine. Not even you, He-Man. Spike-Or is new from the Masters of the Universe collection. Other action figures each sold separately from Mattel. Well, this week we're very, very pleased to be joined by John Stokes of SpankyStokes.com. And welcome to the show, John. Hey, thank you. Glad to be here. Well, uh, we're very happy to have you because uh, none of us are really um, deep into to vinyl and designer toys, so we're, we're hoping maybe you can educate us a little bit on some of those things. But before we get to that, what kind of things – let us know a little bit about yourself and what you collect. Okay, let's see. About myself. Um <laughs> Where do I start? Uh, so, so I went to um, been been born and raised in, in San Diego, California, my whole life. Um, got into vinyl collecting, or the I guess you should say the vinyl scene, back in 2007 when I went to a uh, a graphic design conference, picked up a uh, a dunny that was at a, a little stand there, and kind of got um, hooked ever since. Um, kind of the reason I started my website because uh, I was, I was looking for information out there just about the whole scene, kind of like you guys are, you know, just trying to figure out what it's about, what's going on. And I couldn't really find, uh, I mean, there were sites out there, but I just couldn't find um, the information that I wanted. So I just started doing some research and kind of just going out and, ended up starting my own site and started posting about things I liked and it kind of grew into what it is now. So it's, uh, it's been a fun little ride so far. And how long have you had your website? Um, uh, let's see, 2000, I think it was June of 2008. I started. Cool. So it's still kind of new. Well, four years, four and a half years or so. I've seen it quoted in a lot of places and a lot of links out there. So there, you've got a lot of fans. I know that. Yeah, it's it's crazy how how much it's grown. I never thought that you know a little hobby um, 
like this would turn into to something so big and and um it, it's it's actually kind of humbling because this this past year i i took home the the award of the best designer toy blog and for the designer toy awards which was uh such an honor so it was it was kind of cool to to see all of my hard work uh validated i guess you could say mm, that's mm. fantastic congratulations thank you um, just to kind of kick it off a little bit here for, for us uninitiated, what, what kind of encompasses, what, what do you see encompassing the, the designer toy designer? Now we hear designer vinyl a lot, but it's really more than just designer vinyl, right? Yes. Um, there's all kinds of different things. People call it, you know, designer vinyl, vinyl toys, um, urban vinyl, uh, I guess what I would consider encompasses kind of the whole scene is um, the small runs of figures. Whereas, you know, you get these companies like Toys R Us and stuff holding these big, giant, mass-produced figures that, you know, run into the tens of thousands of figures where um, usually the, the vinyl toys, the designer toys are limited, you know, sometimes between 50 pieces and they can go up to around 2000 pieces. So it's, it's very much more limited. Um, I think another thing that kind of encompasses the, the scene is the artist behind it. Uh, a lot of them spur from, uh, I guess, urban kind of backgrounds, you know, graffiti artists. Um, some are even fine artists that have got involved in it. Um, and it's kind of cool because the medium itself, um, it's, it's a 3d canvas for the most part, you know? Mm Um, so you could take a fine artist that can paint on a wall of painting. Uh, you give that same artist a, a three dimensional figure, a vinyl figure. And instead of, you know, constricted to one surface, they paint all around the whole thing, top, bottom, sides, um, really um, just showing off their their amazing talents or like around, you know, you can pick it up and hold it and, and look around and just kind of get lost in this really neat figure. So, hmm. and that's like, that's where the whole custom scene comes in. That's one of the things I was going to ask you about vinyl in particular is what is it about that medium that makes artists choose it? Um, well, I think vinyl is, you know, one of those, uh, mediums that you can produce uh, a good amount of it, but still keep it limited. Hmm. Whereas, uh, you see the resin as well, people, you know, creating resin or even PVC, um, basically kind of the same mediums they are all three dimensional resin is, uh, I guess more accessible because, uh, I would say that what back in the eighties, all the people doing their garage kits with resin and stuff like that, it's kind of coming around full circle where people are creating resin figures in their garage again. Hmm. Uh, you see more artists that don't have the access to create vinyl toys because you know to access a factory, you're looking at ten to fifteen thousand dollars to to get a toy made. Whereas if you're uh, a sculptor, you can sculpt it. You can cast it at home with some silicone hmm. and then pour, you know, 15, 20 of them in resin and, and kind of get the same feeling and effect that you could do 
with uh, large runs of vinyl. Hmm. So it's uh, it's definitely very interesting. Yeah, I mean, and even moves out into the plush realm. Some I know um, some, yes. some folks that have, did do that, um, and yep. wood and, and those kind of mediums as well. Exactly. So it, and the oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. It, I was going to say it's it, the that even talks. You know, I can talk about that as being very limited as well. You have people doing woodworking and I mean, you can only imagine how limited that kind of stuff is to reproduce something in wood. You have to recreate the whole thing again. You know what I mean? So it's very, very limited. Same with the plush. You can have a factory do it, or you can have somebody, um, you know, hand stitch something, you know, do a run of five. I think, I think the whole key is just the, the limited availability um, that makes this stuff so special. Now, like I know a lot of times you, you'll see like a special run of say uh, a, a dunny, you know, is that just mainly a base that people start with or do they get commissions to do, you know, special runs of those or so, how, how does that kind of thing work? Just to backtrack though, for people who have no idea, like what is a dunny, particularly for us here in Australia, because a dunny in Australia is a toilet. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah we are not we're we aren't painting toilets okay good yeah that's i just thought we better clarify because there'd be some australian listeners right now going whoa, whoa what <laughs> yeah uh a dunny was created by paul budnitz and tristan eaton uh with uh through a company called kid robot um, and it's kind of just a, um, a humanoid type of figure with, with ears, mm-hmm. I guess. I don't know how else you could describe it. Yeah. Has arms, has, has kind of a body, a head and kind of bunny ears. Yep. Um, and basically it's, it's the form and then kid robot, what they do Every year they, they release different series that contain artists that design, you know, they do a, a vector art on this, on this, on this dunny. And then they, uh, Kid Robot puts them in a series. So there's like, you know, say 13 to 15 artists in a series and they reproduce that design in these boxes, blind box. That's another thing we could talk about is a blind box, how, um, well, let's go and just keep on the dunny. And so these designs, they get released. And, <laughs> sorry, and... when you say keep on the dunny, it just makes me laugh because I'm sorry. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Just, just, sit, on, just, just sit on the dunny for a second. <laughs> so, so, the, so the dunny has these designs and, and you know, people find kind of the, the shape. Um, it's more of a, a Western vinyl, definitely, because, you know, the whole Eastern with their kaiju and, and things like that. It's, it's it's a new thing that started, I would say, in the late '90s. So it's um, kind of new to to the states, um, to the world, I should say. And it's it's still kind of underground, but it's it's growing pretty good, I would say. Um, but the 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 figure itself, people really like the aesthetic of it. They collect it, and I don't even know how many they've made series wise. There's there's a ton of them. I, I know too that it's a popular um blank canvas on which to you know to customize just for your at home um you know hobbyists. Um Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 really cool because 
Well, the, you know what? Now that I think about it, well, the dunny has never been released as an actual blank canvas. Hmm. How you have the whole DIY scene where people just release, you know, a, a white version of their figure. Hmm. So people have the freedom to, to paint and draw on it. Hmm. Kid Robot has never released uh, an actual blank dunny. So basically what people do is they get the the dunny with the designs on it and they end up priming over it and painting over it. So if you have a toy that's limited to 500 pieces and people have painted over it, that figure becomes even more limited now. Wow. So there's 450 crazy. pieces out there or something like that. So it it's kind of interesting. I'm really surprised by that because I, I see them so often that I just assumed that it would be, you know, you must be able to buy them as blanks. Yeah. Well, the, the smaller three inch dunny runs, you know, they, <laughs> sorry. They, they... <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Cultural chasm here, but this is good. It's yes, good. It's yes. good. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. I don't know how many they actually produce, but I would say, it's close to probably 10,000 or so. Oh, okay. um, so there's a lot out there. Yes, but that's in, in the whole series. So uh, 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 a specific artist could only have, you know, a hundred of them in this, in this uh, series of, of figures. Hmm. So it, it all depends on, on what they decide. I say what, by, by who could, by what Kid Robot decides is the ratio of each figure and each kind of um, designer or each box of figures has a certain amount of ratios and things like that. So some could be a lot more rare. Some could be very common. Most people paint over those common ones that, you know, there's a, a flood of the market. Now, you mentioned blind box, and that's something that we see, you know, even coming into, like, the comic book lines. I mean, and, you know, you got little Marvel doodads at cash registers now, but that kind of all started with, with the, the urban scene, didn't it? It actually, you know, you could even t- uh, take back further to trading cards. Uh, I think that's the best hmm. example of a, a blind box. Yeah. You know, when you had baseball cards and you would buy a pack of cards, you would not know what you're going to get in there. You know, you could get a rookie card, you could get a hologram card. It, it's kind of the thrill of collecting. It's what makes you go back to that register and buy another pack. It's mm-hmm. the same type of deal with these uh, blind box figures. You buy one, you open the box, it's sealed in a foil package, so you can't, you don't know what's in there. Mm-hmm. Um, you open it up, and if it's not the one you wanted, or if you like it and you want to get another one, or if you're a completionist and you want to grab like the whole series, you're going to go back and buy another one and another one and another one. And it just, <laughs> you know, a lot of people say it's an addiction and it's kind of what hooks people into the scene to begin with. Cause everybody I, I kind of know, they start out buying these blind boxes and then you figure out the scene, you know, you can go to eBay, you know, you can, you know, go to forums and, and trade. And it's just kind of, it, it gets you into the scene. Um, and then like for me, I don't really buy blind boxes anymore because mm-hmm. uh, I kind of know how to get the ones I want from forums, eBay, you know, things like that. But I also 
don't really collect the smaller figures. I would say that you start as a collector, you know, collecting the smaller three-inch figures, move your way up to, you kind of find your aesthetic that you like. You start following an artist that you like, the designs that they make. You just start collecting them. There's so many niches to this mm. little scene. It's it's crazy. So your own collection, but where did that begin? Like what was the gateway drug to you for for this stuff? Well, like I had mentioned, I bought that dunny at that design okay, yep. conference. Yep. And, um, and I, th- I think that same day I, I got a couple um, Frank Kozik uh, mongers or these little um, little creatures that have cigarettes in their mouths. And it's just, I was <laughs> so intrigued by the whole look of it and stuff like that. I kind of wanted more and kind of grew from there. And now my collection is just out of control. It's in an office in my house. And um, I guess I'm fortunate enough that my wife supports me because I think anybody that would walk in here would think I'm crazy. <laughs> Not us. We, you know, that, that, <laughs> yeah. That's why we're here, because we are similarly afflicted with different types of things. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. fascinating. So is it, do you display most of it or...? It's all displayed. I don't have any inboxes. Great. Yeah. Nice. Build shelves. I got shelves, more spaces for shelves and cabinets and stuff sitting on my desk and on top of my printer. And it's just this whole whole thing is a is a kind of you walk in and your eyes will just be like, wow. <laughs> so it's it's fun though because. As I'm a I'm a graphic designer, uh, senior graphic designer for an in-house agency um, in San Diego. So I, that's kind of what I do for my day job. Hmm. Um, so I I kind of look at this stuff as inspiration. You know, if I'm sitting here designing an invite or a logo or just something for somebody, and I kind of hit that creative block, I can just look around and just I don't know just feel inspired and get inspired by just all the amazing shapes and colors and designs and just the way that these artists think and throw things together. And it's, it's definitely um, inspirational to to look at it. Now, do you think most, uh, most designer toy collectors, you think they collect like one particular line or do they just kind of range all over the place and collect what they like or certain scales or how, how, how do the, most people collect? this uh, gosh I, I would just say they they collect what they like and what they can afford um because some of these figures you know they range in, in price range usually a blind box is around ten dollars um where you can get to the the larger um they're making like three foot tall ones now that are gosh a couple thousand um yeah. and i guess you know the limit of availability if you can get it kind of it, it, every there's so many factors that play into what you collect, mm-hmm. I guess you could say. Um, but I, I, I really do think people start out small and then they figure out, you know, who's in the scene, what they like, and then they kind of go away from the smaller figures and, and start collecting the, the larger figures. At least that's my, my sense of it. I can definitely see that. I Mrs. Nerd has a whole bunch of the androids above her desk oh, yeah. right now, so I, I could see how that could be a, a gateway for sure. 
and the Android, the whole Android craze, that just that opened up the the designer toy scene to so many people that didn't really know about it, but I think embrace it. Yeah. Um which has been a lot of fun to to kind of watch it grow and um I don't know, it's 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 cool to to see a, a little scene like us get, you know, recognized by so many others. Yeah. It kinda of help it kinda of helps us grow. Hmm. And it gives people now that we've we know um, from a popular line like that, just the whole kind of concept of uh, the blind box you know, mm-hmm. stuff, and I think it when people look at, they might know a line or a designer, but they have a context for you know other types of these toys when they look at it. And go, oh, that's a little blind box box thing. It's going to be cute. And as we said before, it is bleeding into you know some of the things that we focus on, like um you know there's Doctor Who stuff now. We we talked about mm-hmm. it a bit earlier on this show and. Um, you know, as, as well as the smaller, uh, you know, hero clicks and things that have been around for a while, which aren't uh, of a, a different vein, but blind box. Now it's bleeding into, um, Doctor Who and well, even Scooby-Doo, we just talked about <laughs> as well as getting a blind box final line. So there you go. Really? Yeah. yeah and, and another big one is, um, you know, Disney and their, their vinylmation mm. that, that has, um, definitely exploded onto the scene and they uh they took advantage of their little platform and they just have produced uh an enormous amount of those so that kind of um helps people get into it figure it out and things like that as well in in the states is much of this stuff available at retail or is it more of an online business uh, I would say it's more of an on- online. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would say on the, the coasts, you know, you got the, the West Coast and San Diego, L.A., uh, San Francisco, uh, up California. There's there's a good amount of vinyl toy shops and galleries. Um, as you move east, it gets a little bit more scarce. There's some shops, you know, in like Ohio. Um, there's a shop in Florida, there's some out in Arizona, and then New York obviously has the kid robot stores and the, my plastic heart places like that. Um, where it's, you know, if, if you're in the kind of the, the, the larger metropolitan areas, there's definitely places for you to go to, to see shows or, or mm. go to releases and, um, Things like that. So it's. I think it's a little bit more um, accessible that way. So, but I, I still think the online um, really holds a, a large market share of of collectors and and how they uh, acquire things. Well, that makes sense. I mean, I think a lot of these things, um, you know, while they're huge to us, they're still niche interests and. Um, but I think it also keeps overheads down. If it, you know, what, you get something that does end up becoming huge at retail, it gets harder for other people to stay in that market. So that's true. Yeah, that's uh, one of the things I can see that um, is really exciting about um, these type of toys is that there's opportunities for people to be incredibly creative in a way that a lot of the mainstream things, you know, you're limited by costs and overheads and things. But if, you know, you're going to produce a limited run of five and it's more about your artistic um, experience than necessarily making a living from it, 
it's a different experience. Yes. And, you know, on, on that subject, uh, I was recently at the uh, Japanese National American Museum up in L.A. This was last weekend um, where Giant Robot hosted a, uh, a panel discussion with uh, David Horvath, Luke Chu, Yosuke Yamamoto, and Scott Tolleson. Um, and basically, you know, David Horvath created the, the ugly doll and that thing has just been licensed out to make movies and mm. just like, he's done very well for himself and his brand. Mm. Um, and he is one of the few in this industry that, um, I think uses this as their, uh, main source of income. Whereas, you know, like Luke, um, Luke Chu, he is basically known for his his paintings and that's how he makes his living um and he had mentioned during this talk that he does the toys to um to i guess just kind of give back to the 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 companies that help produce his figures and and things like that just he says there's no way that he could really make a living on them hmm. um Whereas his paintings, that's that's how he makes his living. Um, Scott Tolleson, he's an illustrator for for Disney, and he does the the toy stuff on the side because um, it's kind of another creative outlet for him. Hmm. Kind of the same same reason why, you know, I do design um, as a day job and then do the blog, and I also do a little bit of customizing and things like that on the side. Hmm. There's if I could, I would love to, you know, just do the, the blog and customizing as um, my primary source of income. But that's not really possible, even with um, really established artists. It's, it would be tough to to survive by doing it. So I would say 90 percent of us all have day jobs and kind of do this stuff as a as a hobby, as a as a side gig. Hmm. And because we love it. Yeah. Well, and that's probably what keeps some of the, the fun and spirit in it, you know, because it would, if it's your creative outlet, then you, know, you can see, see that in it in a way that um, a, a lot of commercial stuff is a lot more cynical. Yes. Yeah. I, I could see that, you know, if, if this was a job, it could be something to where I would get tired of it. Whereas I still, get up and I still check my inbox every day and I'm still just floored by the amount of talent that, that people send to me. And I, they say, Hey, can you help me promote my stuff? And I'm just like, yes, it's awesome. I'll promote it. Let's, you know, let's get your name out there. It's great. I still get up. I still am very excited. So it's, it's still a lot of fun. Well, that's definitely what makes it all worth it. I think for, for all of us, but you know, there's just so many different things. I mean, you know, so many artists out there doing stuff that, you know, one, 10, you know, they make 10 of them and yep. they're just really cool. It is. It's so cool. Um, you know, people like reproducing figures and, and doing their own blind box series of, of customs. Um, it's, it's just really, really neat to see the, the creative spark in everybody and, how they can just take one idea and just run with it and, and just really just build off of what's already been established. Huh. It's, it's real fun. So if you're doing a, a custom run, 
and you want to put it out there and do the blind boxing, how do you go about getting people to help you with putting that together? Um, that's a good question. You know, I think a lot of it starts on, on forums. Uh, one of the big forums is the, the kid robot forum. Um, you can kind of announce it there. You can ask people, you know, I'm thinking about doing a, a blind box series of say resin figures. Um, and people will chime in and, and you know, give their opinion. Uh, okay. I've seen a lot of stores support the whole blind box uh, series or, or craze or, or even custom kind of series. Um, Benny over at Tenacious Toys, he's, he's one of the, uh, the main advocates. He does these uh, resin series and custom series. He really supports the, the small up-and-coming artists out there. Same with um, Ray and Joanne over at Dragatomi. They're, they've, since day one, since I've known them, have always been about getting the artists, even if they're unknown, just to, you know, have them do a, a run of custom 15 androids and, and they sell them in a blind box series and, and just help people get out there. So it's it's kind of just networking and getting to know who's involved with the scene um, and and putting yourself out there, you know, just making contacts, I would say. That's that's the best way to kind of get started with your own series if you want to start it. It seems like you really have a role in helping some of these artists get their name out there, which is a a, a privileged place to be. Yeah, you know what? That's a, that's a good way to put it. I do feel very privileged and very honored um, to, to have that opportunity. I don't know. I guess it's just something in my, in my nature, um, to, uh, man, I, I don't want to like toot my own horn or, or sound, you know, I, I, I really do enjoy helping people get recognized. And that's kind of been, from the start, like figuring out what the scene's about um, and then building off of it. Cause really like I have made some amazing relationships with, with artists that I started out as a, a fan, getting to know them, helping them promote their work. Um, and then, you know, I guess most recently an example, I, I, I just got married and I had so many of these, people that I had followed on the forums that when I first started out admiring their work and, you know, a couple months ago, I, I call them my friends and they were all at my wedding. It's just, it's kind of crazy how this whole scene is, um, just really accepted, accepts everybody, I should say. Hmm. So it's, it's hmm. really neat. That's fantastic. And congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> what, um, now, now you were talking about how uh, urban art kind of influences. What what do you think draws people into the the? Because a lot of a lot of urban stuff has like these almost kaiju, like you said before, or the monstrous but cute kind of stuff. What what do you think draws people into that? Into the um... just into that style. What what, <sighs> what do you think appeals to folks? Uh, you know. I, I, I want to say it could be the artist behind it. You know, they, uh, I guess 
following their work or, or getting to know an, an artist is kind of what, what will draw you to their, their, their work. Um, you know, I, it, I, I find it to be like, you, you get to know these artists you get to see that, you know, they started out doing graffiti back when they were, were younger. Um, now they have families with kids and, and they, um, I don't know. You, you just find a, a respect for these, these artists. And um, I guess it's all kind of aesthetic too, stylistically what you like what, when you see it with your own eyes. Cause the, the thing about it is this, this whole world of designer vinyl or vinyl toys is so vast that you can have an opinion, you know, you don't have to like everything. Mm. And there's, there's something for everyone. You know, if you're into that cutesy stuff, you have, um, you know, ugly dolls, you have Tokidoki, you have these brands that kind of cater to um, the whole kind of cute aspect of it. Whereas if you were into um, the giant monsters, like the kaiju, the, the Eastern vinyl, the, the, all that stuff, um, which I, I would say is more of an acquired taste and it's kind of a in old school because that's all that stuff from um you know back in the, the 60s all the, the old japanese like godzilla kind of stuff like that kind of spurred from it um you know that's that's an acquired taste and not everybody likes it but there's a ton of people out there to collect it so each individual kind of has their own likes and dislikes so that's kind of what uh i guess makes the or lets allows the the collector to collect Hmm. I mean, I think that's the, the it's a broad church, obviously, and there's things just looking through, you know, your side as we're chatting, there's things that you kind of scroll past and go, oh, yep, that's great. And then other things that are captivating and that that's going to be different for each person. And, um, you know, one of the things that I can see about this sort of medium is that it gives people a chance to put things out there that, you know, if one of the things that I was just, you know, kind of looking at is like, okay, well, it's limited to 88 pieces. I'm probably never going to have that. <laughs> um, but that, that's something I think is really cool about it. Yes. It's, it's kind of the thrill of the hunt and then, yeah. and then, and then saying that you have it. Um, and, and another kind of thing to touch on, if you're collecting to uh, turn a profit, there's really no reason why you should be collecting. <laughs> yeah. Cause uh, you know, some of these, some of these figures uh, hold their value, um, but the majority of them don't. I was so going to ask like, that question actually. What the secondary market for these is like? Um, just like I said, some hold their value, some don't. Uh, you know, cause figures, for example, those things have crazy market value, um, and they hold it. Um, coarse toys, they have a, a really good market value. I would say. Older figures that um, older, I would say, like uh, the Kid Robot Dunnies, those um, are, are tougher to find. They were a lot more limited, so uh, those hold their value. Um, whereas a lot of the the blind box figures, it's like once there's a big release and mm. the hype is is gone, then everybody's waiting for that that next series next. to come out. So it's kind of there's a lot of hype around it, um, which kind of is, is part of the fun. Hmm. I go to release parties and things like that, but um, 
the secondary it's 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 interesting you know if people are willing to pay it then i, I you know i i don't really I, I don't know i guess you could go into the whole psychology of collecting and all that stuff and i i don't really know too much about that so it's 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 an interesting subject to to talk about the the market value and and people in collecting so I guess it, it goes for, you know, any type of market, you know, comic books, things like that, where, you know, I've got a ton of old comics, but they aren't worth anything. No. But, you know, who knows, in, in five years, 10 years, when the uh, comic book market turns around, because, you know, DC is doing really great stuff right now, and Marvel, and, and things like that, it's like, you know, the comic book market might turn back around and, and make those older comics worth more money. Very true. Very true. So that's what I'm hoping for, at least. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yes. Awesome. That's just fantastic. It's a like you know, it's a it's a different world um to us and a and a bit out of our wheelhouse, which is why we felt it was you know, so, something that was worth getting more of an expert on and you've definitely given us a you know, a good entry into um that world. It's it's really fascinating. It is, and I can see somebody listening to this and being like, even after I've tried to explain it, just like, what is this guy talking about? <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, the best thing I could say is is to just go check out, you know, like my website, mm. go to the Kid Robot forums. Um, October Toys has a great forum as well where they talk about um, the designer toys, uh, vinyl, action figures, everything it's just kind of go out there and, and use your use your google search and, and have some fun you know that's that's what this thing's all about is just really embracing the, the artistic side of of um toys and uh and the artist behind them outstanding i, I was i was going to ask because um i see colorway used a lot and mm-hmm. it, it looks like a lot of artists tend to run stuff in different series of colors. Is is that common, or is you know are there collectors of every color? How what how does that normally work? Colorways are uh, a good example of of meeting that that factory run quota. Um, usually, when you do uh, when you go through a, a factory in China, uh, the limited run is a thousand pieces. Now, you don't want to do a thousand pieces of that one color. So what they do is normally they, they split up that thousand pieces. They usually have uh, an original, like they call it the OG um, piece, which is normally around uh, a larger number. That way they can retail it to stores. Um, you know, I should say wholesale at the stores where they can sell this thing off, things like that. There's usually around 400 pieces of, of this OG figure. Then what they do is they take that same figure, change up the colors a little bit. Say there's a black and white figure, they'll change it to a a red and green figure, and they can approach a store, um, a retail shop, uh, online, whatever, and say, "Hey, I have um, an opportunity for you guys to buy into this uh, figure at your own exclusive colorway." Are you interested? You know, you can get 50 pieces, sell them. That creates kind of the hype. It gets your store name out there, things like that. So they'll go and approach different stores and have 
you know, eight to 10 different colorways where they're all limited to 50 to 100 pieces. That way you are able to use up your, your quota of a thousand figures, but create that, that limited availability because with each release, they're different colors. That's, that's really Does that cool. That makes sense. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah. And I, and I have one more term question because mm-hmm. I see it a lot. Um, you guys normally refer to, to drops as being releases. How, how are releases normally? I mean, is it, okay, this is going to hit this day, and do they normally sell out right away, or how hard is some of this stuff to get? Um, I would say we hope that they sell out that day, <laughs> but uh, it all it all depends on it all depends on the market. You know, if something if there's like four or five drops or releases that week, you know, and and people like two or three of them, depending on the cost, you really have to. Uh, as a collector, you have to be like, well, which one do I want more? You know, which one is can I actually afford? Which one will I actually be able to get? Which one's more limited? You, you kind of have to factor all that stuff in the in the play. Um, a lot of releases do sell out the first day. Um, some don't. It's it's tough to know. It's it's really tough to know. But you know, a lot of people do like exclusives. For example, you know, a lot of the um, convention exclusives, San Diego Comic Con. That's when a lot of the companies roll out. Uh, SDCC exclusives or New York Comic Con or or things like that. It's, that's when you can really corner the market and say, hey, this is going to uh, drop at San Diego Comic Con. After that, we aren't going to release it anymore. There's so limited. People will line up and and they'll sell out, kind of thing. So it's um, it's. I think it's all built around, like I said, uh, hype of the figure as well, limited availability who the artist is, things like that. Hmm. Well, I feel like I've learned a lot tonight. Thank you so much for um, taking us through that. And uh, it's definitely something I'm, – I'm looking at your site and, and looking at a lot of things that could make me incredibly poor. Um, <laughs> if I, if <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm addicted enough to a, a few different um, toy vices, but you know, it's a – um, it's a really exciting world and something that we definitely need to learn more about, I think. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun and it's so robust. There's just so much, like you said, you can go to my site at any time during the day and just scroll through and there's going to be something new, something interesting for you to look at and, and figure out like, is it a custom? Is it a production run? Um, you know, it's, it's kind of the, the whole fun of the the whole scene it's just there's there's so much going on mm. but it, but it's still so small and so underground um which i think makes it um interesting well i think the thing that would be appealing to me you know you can you could buy one piece and it's a piece of art you're not buying you know necessarily a line mm. um, mm-hmm. you know you can look at it as hey i'm buying this piece of art from this artist just like yes. you would do a a one-off sketch from a, a, you know, an artist at a comic book show. Exactly. Um, you know, and like I kind of described it, uh, when we first started talking about how a, a canvas, you know, these things are, are three dimensional canvases. When you get into 
these these people who started out as as fine art painters, like the the people behind uh, Sixty Four Colors. I don't know if you guys are familiar with their work at Art Ball, but they can take a a blank final figure and I mean apply their amazing painterly skills to this thing and just turn it into a, a serious work of art. Hmm. It's it's really really cool to see. And that one-off custom is is a, a painted three-dimensional object that you can display in your home just like you could uh, a canvas hmm. where people would look at it probably a little bit stranger because it's uh, <laughs> a, a weird shape sitting on your shelf painted up. Um, you'd have to explain to them, but I think once you explain that it is, you know, painted and meticulously painted at that um I think people could understand and appreciate it as art. Fantastic. Well, I, I know I've certainly learned a lot from this. It's been really cool. Very Good. cool to talk to you. Yeah. Good. Well, uh, thanks for having me guys. Once again, like this is, this is a lot of fun. I like, um, trying to help people understand it's, it's tough to explain. You've done a great job. It, well, good. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely tough to explain it. Um, to help people understand kind of what it is because it is, it is a kind of a, a weird medium, um, like a weird genre, I guess you could say of, of art. So still, still new, still growing. But I guess if people want to know more, you know, your site, spankystokes.com is a great place to have a look because you do have so much there. Um, and so it's a great way to get an overview of the different type of things that we're talking about. And, uh, I think that, you know, you, whatever your aesthetic is, if you spend long enough there, you're going to find something that appeals to you. Exactly. You will find something that you like or that you go, wow, I wish I had that and figure out how to get it. (laughs) Great stuff. Thank you so much for chatting to us. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. We really appreciate it. Well, I want to say thank you very much. And uh, we really appreciate the education because it's been fantastic. Uh, Oh, yeah, my pleasure. And, you know, if there's anything we can ever do to help you out, just let us know because we we will definitely do that as well. That's what we're here for. So, yeah. And with that, we will um, move on to uh, a little bit of feedback and close out the show. Thanks, everybody. Great. Mutant Warriors, Rattaro, Soldier Man, the Destroyer, Battle Against Lion-O and the new Thundercat Allies, Hatchiman, Snowman, Tusca Warrior, the battle is on for the Sword of Omen. Thunder, 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 Thunder Figures and vehicles each sold separately from LJF. Well, before we finish off, we have some feedback from our listeners to share with you. If you'd like to hear your questions, comments, suggestions on future episodes, red cards, etc., email us at podcast at actionfigureblues.com, and you may just hear it read out. And Adam, you have our first bit of feedback tonight. Yeah, so um, our friend Fess, who's sent us comments before, um, took the wonderful, wonderful liberty of getting some little Laserlight AFB forum um, name tags cut for those of us that do the podcast, and shipped those out to us, and... I know we've not all received them, but I've got mine, and it looks sensational. And I'm now trying to work out what I'm going to do with it, but I'm thinking I might make it into some kind of name pin that I could wear around the place, like to cons or something. 
Oh, that's a good idea. I, I've got mine too. And thank you so much, Fess. That is awesome. He's made them for all of us to do the show and, um, one with our, our, our names on it as well. Um, so our little names down the corner, which is lovely. So we really do appreciate it. That's awesome. And, uh, yeah, name tag sounds like a really good idea, actually. Hmm. Ah, very good. Well, thank you, Fess. Yep. Indeed. I'm very happy with that. Very happy. Yeah. If anyone wants to send us anything, feel free. Not drugs. Don't no, send us drugs. Not drugs. We don't want to get arrested or anything. Yeah, that's right. Yep. No contraband. No contraband, no. Wait, is Dr. Pepper what? contraband? It should be because it's horrible. <sighs> Are knockoff toys contraband? No. No. <gasps> Reese's peanut butter cups. Very hard to get here in Australia. Help. <laughs> when the weather cools down, I'll send you some. Okay. Okay. Well, Scott, you have some other bit of feedback for us. <laughs> I do. Um, we got another uh, five, uh, five-star review at iTunes. And uh, this, this one, I'm pretty sure, is from our good friend and frequent correspondent, Bob Bird. We love you, Bob. And uh, Bob. Yeah, good on you, Bob. And he says, very entertaining podcast, five stars. And uh, he says, this is one of my very favorite podcasts. The podcast from Down Under is a must-listen every week. So thank you very much, Bob. Um, the iTunes reviews really do mean a lot to us because it helps other people find the show as well. Um, and uh, it's greatly appreciated. So if you if you do enjoy the show and you do listen through iTunes, then uh, we would really love it if you would also give us a rating and a review there. Well, yes, we would. Oh, I should mention as well that we are now also on Stitcher Radio. Yay. Yay. Woo-hoo. Yeah. So um, I actually put in an application for that ages ago and uh, never heard anything. And I thought, oh, maybe they don't like us or something. And then when I went to apply again, I thought, I'll just search first and see if um, we're actually there. And we were there. <laughs> so then I went back and the um, your approved email, et cetera, had gone into my spam folder. So we've actually, <laughs> I think we've actually been on there for a little while. <laughs> but now we're just telling you that we know we're on Stitcher Radio. Well, if you're listening by Stitcher, let us know. Yeah. Um, That's for sure. Yeah. And and finally, just one last plug. Um, n- next episode is episode 50, and we are planning some great fun. We have a very cool guest and uh, some fun ideas and hopefully a prize to give away as well. Um, so I can't believe we're about to turn 50. Um I don't feel a day over 49, that's for sure. Uh, but, um, yeah, very exciting. So stay tuned. I'm excited. I'm excited just this thing. So. Woohoo! Anyway, that brings us to the close of episode number 49. Um, another one in the books, boys. Yay! Yay! Yeah. Good job, John. Well, well, you'll be able to download future episodes of the podcast by going to actionfigureblues.com, clicking on the podcast tab, or subscribing at iTunes. And if you go to iTunes, you know, make sure to leave us a review like Bob did. Or, obviously, you can go to Stitcher, and uh, you can stream us on your your mobile device if you would like to do that. And while you're at actionfigureblues.com, you might like to check out the reviews, articles, and stuff there. Or, you know, hey, help us keep the lights on. Uh, Visit some of our sponsors, Mike's Comics and Stuff, Shelf Life, and PopCulture.com, who help keep the site running. When we're not podcasting, blogging, or doing any other hobby-related activities, you can find us all at the Action Figure Blues Forum at afbforum.com. Uh, 
where Scott posts as Scotty, very appropriate. Mm -hmm. Adam posts as Westy, and I post as Engineer Nerd. And we, as always, would love to hear from you with any sort of feedback. But if you've got suggestions or comments for future Toys of the Week or discussion topics, let us know by leaving us an email at podcast at actionfigureblues.com. Or even better, go over and join the forum and tell us there because we'll probably get to see it right away. You can also follow the Action Figure Blues Twitter feed at AF Blues, or you can like the Action Figure Blues page on Facebook at facebook.com backslash actionfigureblues. And with that, we're out of here. Hooray. Yay. Thank Yay. you, John. Thank you, Ball Boys. Thank you, Batsman. Uh, good night. To, you know what? I don't, I'm never going to say good night to New Zealand again because they're our neighbors and we don't have any iTunes reviews on iTunes hmm. New Zealand. Get your act together, you Kiwis. Didn't what about you make fun of them last week? Oh, yeah, I did. Oops. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, that's probably why we, we don't have any reviews. <laughs> we, sh- we should say uh, goodnight to Tasmania because they're our nearest country neighbor. They are. Thing. And, the, and they're having, are they having fires? I thought that was finished. I'm not sure. Okay, I haven't yeah, been the fires paying are attention done. to the news this week. Yeah, well, they have problems anyway. So, yeah. yeah. Take care, Tasmania. Well, good night, everybody. <laughs> Bye. 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 Play with your toys, not with yourself. Mm-hmm. It's just hard to say that way. Only because you're weird and American. Because, see, Australians say the date first. We say Wednesday the 29th of January as opposed to Wednesday, January the 29th. If you want to say Wednesday, January the 29th, you can. I did that. Yeah, I know. I don't like it, but if you have to, in order to (laughs) say it, you can. Okay. So it's a cultural thing. Yep. Well, now you tell me. Okay. Australia only pretends to be multicultural. Don't worry about it. Are you are you ready? <laughs> I, I I was fine. No, you weren't. You screwed it all up and said it Americanized. There's a reason for that. <laughs> what? Why wait, is, there... is there something that you're not telling us? <laughs> are you an American? <laughs> Adam's always a professional. Except for when I was playing with toys, like, the whole time, a couple episodes ago. I'm going to buy a, a Transformer. And just sit there playing with it. Yeah. Just wait till the episode where I haven't have curry or something beforehand. <laughs> or homemade chili with extra beans. And the aim of the game is to guess where it's from. So, John, over to you. Well, thanks, Scott. Um... Last week, we played a sound that sounded a little something like this. Ben didn't get it. Ben didn't get it. And um, actually, you know, when I I played that, I really expected Ben to just jump out and and tell us exactly what it was. But uh... (laughs) (laughs) so 
So good for you, Hype. Yeah. Um, well, we'll move on to this week's sound, and it will sound a little something like... Ben didn't get it. Ben didn't get it. He hasn't even heard this one yet. Gosh. It, it would be Ben won't get it. Ben will not get it. Ben will not get it. to you by the Big Top Network.